0: Let's begin. It's so good to have you with us, everybody. So many people dialed in from around the world. Appreciate you tuned in. So many people are listening on a streamed basis, and I think that's one of the best ways to do so. Or if you want to listen to it after the fact, you can listen to it on a downloaded basis. An increasing number of people dialed in ahead of the time are dialing into the switchboard. If you want to dial into the switchboard, listen to your cell phone and number is 646-716-4972. You heard that earlier. If you do, we love turning on the mic when you dial in earlier so we can talk to our guests. We've been doing that lately and having some wonderful conversations with those of you that are listening. So that's the benefit of using the phone, but oftentimes it's more convenient to turn it on and listen to it on a streaming basis. Good to have you with us. It's Monday, May 22nd. We say that for those of you who are downloading and listening to it on downloaded basis uh, so that you know which program you're listening to. Again, this podcast was created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're grateful to have you as our listener. Again, our commitment to you is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime, anywhere. More people are listening to us during the commuting hours. They're listening to us at all kinds of crazy times, and uh, we're just grateful that you take the time to do that and Making what we're doing here, our effort, it's a give back to the industry for all the years we've been at it, and I want to say a special thank you to Allison, and to Andy, and Joe, and Sam for all they do to make this podcast so possible and have such good content. Today's hot topic, I'm looking forward to this one. We have Sarah Russell and Earl Amee coming in, Beyond 10. They consult to Fortune 200 companies, some of the largest companies in the world they consult to, and they do a great job and they're really good at corporate culture. They talk about how do you foster a culture, how do you work in an area to bring culture forward to make an impact in your company. Culture is everything. You talk about the big companies. Sam and I were just talking about that just before when Sam just dialed in, and he said, you know what? The common denominator of all the most successful companies is a really healthy corporate culture. So we're going to be talking about that. We have Sarah Russell and Earl Amin of Beyond 10 there with us. Special thank you to our sponsors, ArchMI, creator of the Innovative Rate Star Program. Motivity Solutions with their real-time reporting dashboard and scorecards, mm-hmm. Velma, which is an efficient mortgage marketing and email platform to get your message out, as well as Simplify, a real-time electronic communications exchange. And of course the mortgage collaborative, the collaborative, the power of the network. Such an effective way to connect with really strategically connect with people. And then DNH, moving your world forward through technology. And again, they've been in business for 140 years, 5,500 employees, 8,000 clients across 70 countries. and they are now becoming a part of uh, combining with MySyst ever since Vista bought them. Big news happening going there. I get weekly updates from them, and I'll get another update here right after the podcast, but very excited about what the future holds for DNH. Most likely, I expect to see a different name come out of it. But they're sticking with this as advertisers, and we're honored to have them here. So watch out, or look forward to what's happening with DNH as the weeks and months come forward. So let's talk about conferences. We have the Motivity Conference coming up on June nineteenth. It's their user conference. It's going to be up in Beaver Creek, gorgeous place to be, in the mountains of Colorado at this time of year. Then we also have the Mortgage Collaborative coming up August 20th through the 23rd, and it's going to be in Omni Nashville, downtown in Nashville, Tennessee. Just flew through there. Love that town. Great town to have a conference. Looking forward to seeing so many of our friends there. I want to talk about these conferences. Last week I spoke at the Ohio Mortgage Bankers Conference Great conference. I spoke for three hours with a few breaks in there nonstop. The title was, Don't Be a Analog Originator in a Digital World. And we cover so many things in that to cover time frame. And I'm still getting a lot of requests. Even this morning, I got texts for more requests for copies of the slide deck. I tell you, folks, there's, these conferences are important. You need to get to them, and attend the state and local ones, as well as the national, get to these conferences. If you want to learn more, Google MBA, Mortgage Bankers Association, Conference in Education, and that'll bring you right to their website, and then look at the schedule of conferences, or go to Sam's website over at Mortgage Daily. He's got a list of every possible conference in the industry going on, great resource for that, as well as you can sign up for the Mortgage Action Alliance. I strongly recommend that when you're in the NBA's website. Let's see here. I think that covers all the announcements and what we got going, so we want to take a look at what's happening with the markets, and no one better to do that with than Joe Farr. So, Joe, good to have you back on, man. Missed you last week.
2: Good to be on, yeah. Yeah, but I was out playing golf, so I'm not too sorry. We're just about at where we ended the day on Friday. It's been a very, very quiet morning, you know. No economic data to move the market. There are some Fed speakers, but most of those happen a little later in the day. And uh, no real new news regarding Trump, and he seems to be getting pretty good reviews on the start of his overseas trip. So no good reason to, to see market movement this morning. That wasn't true last week, though, especially on
3: Wednesday, oh.
1: as you might
2: remember. Yeah. The, Trump's troubles became widespread and caused the market to react. MBS prices improved. Stock prices fell pretty hard. The Dow fell 370. 5 points on Wednesday And MBS prices, they improved about a half a point, a little over a half a point, as people, investors, sold stocks and and sought the safety of uh, treasuries and and mortgage-backed securities. Interesting to see that much of the stock market recovered. Much of that 375-point loss has been recovered. And so far, the MBS market has not given back much of that half a point improvement price. So it's kind of the best of both worlds there. Data last week, as I mentioned, really had little effect on MBS price is housing data came out. Homebuilder confidence remains high, which is good to see. And housing starts fell a little bit, but when you take out the multifamily, uh, single-family housing starts rose a little bit in Mar- uh, over March. So that was good to see. And then, David, looking at this week, there's more housing data to come out. Tomorrow's new home sales. Wednesday is existing home sales. There are Fed speakers every day this week except Friday. So you know at any given time, there could be a speaker out there that can move the market. The minutes of the of the May third meeting will be released on Wednesday, and investors will be looking for you know guidance on future Fed rate hikes. Uh, right now, there's a 83 percent likelihood of a June fourteenth rate hike, according to the CME. Durable orders and second look at GDP, uh, first quarter GDP, will come out on Friday, uh, con- along with consumer sentiment on Friday. And got to keep watching the Trump trip and if any that might have an effect on MBS prices. So that's pretty much it.
0: Life- Lots of good information on your website, Joe. I, I tell you, I, I look at this—the the amount of data that's there, the way it's organized—it's just so simple. It's all right there, and it's real time, or nanosecond time delayed, I guess you could say. But it's really good stuff. I love what you're doing, and I don't understand how people run a business or work with consumers in a volatile market without the tool like this. And so. Kudos to you and your team. I'm just so glad to have no, you here. You. <laughs> glad to have you back, even better. So Yeah, uh, good to be back. So, folks, we're going to be right back after this brief word. more about MBS Quoteline today at MBSQuoteline.com. MBSQuoteline.com. 646-716-4972. The Lickin on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin. So good to have you with us, everybody. You know, Loan Logics, our good friend Les Parker at Lone Logics, does a great job of kind of giving us a macro view of the market. And he always ties it in with a music parody. So let's see what Les's comments and clever uh, parody he's worked up for us this week. Listen to this. Thanks,
1: Dave. This is Market Logics Live, sponsored by Lone Logics. Bonds going up the country. Tenure, don't you want to go? The bond and the tenure are back together making peace and music at the Woodstock for bulls. Recently, the 30-year bond wandered between the bull and bear camps, while the 10-year lived an apathetic, bullish life. Now they are both part of the counterculture that is trending to lower yields. Remember, the 10-year set its high yield on December 15, 2016, right after the Fed tightened. The March Fed tightening confirmed to the market that the Fed is committed to reducing its monetary accommodation. Don't be surprised to see The 10-year note yield dropped below 1.9%. These views are my own. Go to loanlogics.com to subscribe to my daily newsletter.
0: Ah, You got to laugh at that. He's got a sense of humor on that. So that's good. I love it. Anyway, another thing I love is getting updated information on the legislative front, regulatory front, what's going on. You know, you've heard the story. I don't know if you've heard the story recently, so for a lot of new listeners, but, you know, Andy and I were introduced to... To Alice Alvey a long time ago because Andy and I were doing a series of webinars seminars uh, in person and the MBA we asked them to support it and they said well we will support it if you agree to have this compliance lady come on and go ah how to kill a webinar a seminar we want people to come not stay away. Well, we met Alice there, and she became an immediate friend of both Andy's and mine, and we're so grateful to be in friendship. And, Alice, I'm grateful to have you on the program today. We missed you last week.
4: Yeah, thank you.
0: What's going on out there? What should we
4: be well, paying attention to, Alice Alvey? Oh, well, we are paying attention to uh, the legislative news, and it's been a slow week. And as Joe would mentioned, you know, there wasn't any upheaval going on with the president signing anything new or having it since he's overseas, and we don't expect anything dramatic as far as new legislation or movement there. So everything that we've been watching, in particular the Mortgage Choice Act, is, is status quo right now. CUNA has issued a few comments about wanting to put in an extra component to exempt loans for purchase of non-owner occupied and one to four dwelling units from their member, their lending cap. So little things I think we can expect over time that might get tacked onto this as is usual. But right now, the pieces of legislation that we're watching all have stayed stable and no big movement on anything right now. You may hear from Sam, I'm sure he may be talking about, you know, that the delinquency rates came out. So that is overall really good news um, as we hear that FHAs. Uh, rate is dropping. I'll let Sam, I'm sure, talk about that some more. But that's good news from an underwriting standpoint. All of us, as we're looking at taking risks, are we doing the right thing? And I think indications in the delinquency rate help us make sure that, you know, okay, the laws are performing and we're making the right decisions. And especially watch those manual underwriting decisions and their performance and that. Freddie Mac did issue a memo that, and a little bit of, in it was a reminder about the condo changes. So, they did say that they, uh, back in April, that they no longer require verification of fidelity or liability insurance and on the condos, on the detached condos, I'm sorry, I need to clarify, on detached condos. So they just sent out a reminder on that, which means they must be seeing stuff come in where lenders are still getting it or there's some questions out there. I always like when I now don't have to do something. It makes sales so much happier, right? <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) um, Also, on Friday, you should have seen some collateral reps and warrant release coming from cash out refis and the Tuck 50 A60 loans and conversion mortgages. So, Freddie said they were going to extend those reps and warrant relief messages to those products. And so, this week especially, you should start seeing that. And then one last quick thing about VA interest rate reduction re- worksheet calculation. VA issued um, an announcement uh, a couple weeks ago, but and it said in it that it's not effective until July 2nd. But as we were kind of playing around with the calculations in the EARL worksheet, right, this is an infamous form because lenders make their own. They follow VA's guidelines. And I've seen this form so poorly produced at the origination and processing level that, when TRID came into effect, lenders all of a sudden went, wait a minute, I think we better go back to paying attention to that form and how does it play when I have to reissue an LE. So a reminder for lenders to go check out that VA circular. i sorry, I meant to write down the circular number. It was just a recent circular that they <laughs> issued on the worksheet calc. And in that, make sure that you're, fo- you're double-checking these rules on credits against the loan amount and which loan amount to use and that you do need to have a final worksheet approved by the lender and it does have to match how the loan closed. Oh, this is another area we see lots of lenders make mistakes on. I know it's not a huge product, but it's one of those that can you know, cause you to get written up for something in a VA audit and one of those nagging things you should just... While you can, go pay attention to it and make sure you've got that worksheet automatically calculating correctly based on VA's clarifications that they just recently made. So that's my quick update for this group today, Dave, and I, I look forward to our guests.
0: Yeah, I am too. Thank you so much, Alice. It is good to have you back. And I think we may have a big announcement regarding you maybe next week. I hope, hope, hope yes, we can. Next week? Let- is that next week there's a bit. okay so that's a good teaser next week folks there's a big next Alice week? Alvey announcement coming out next week <laughs> so you got to tune in don't miss next week how do you say it
4: there you next go. week
0: well, th- wait a okay. minute that, where we monday monday is actually a holiday we're going to be doing a program right. so it'll be the following monday so it won't be next week it'll be the following week where we'll be doing it so How's that sound? Sound good? Keep them on Bring their keep, toes. Keep everyone. Keep them on <laughs> their toes. and hits us. So anyway, thank you so much, Alice. Appreciate you being here. Glad to have you part of the program. So let's go over and listen to our good friend Nancy Alley at Simplifile. Folks, stay tuned. We'll be right back.
2: Simplifile has technology that gives you the ability to collaborate with settlement agents via real-time chat and messaging, allowing you to track changes, send, receive, and validate documents as well as obtain status updates and deal with issues as they arise. All of this in a real-time electronic communication exchange. And best of all, you have a complete audit trail of all communications. To learn more, go to simplifile.com or call our good friend Nancy Alley at
4: 1-800-460-5657.
0: And also, we have our great partnership with Velma. I want you all to get to know the folks at Velma and what that can do for your email marketing campaign. So let's take a quick break for a word from Velma. Are you using one of those expensive CRMs that your loan officers won't use? If so, then give my friends at Velma a call and let them help you create a customer journey that relies on the data and not on loan officer interaction. I encourage you to consider working with Velma to create a truly automated marketing experience for your organization. Velma makes marketing automation easy. Schedule a demo today at Velma.com, V-E-L-M-A.com. So good to have you all with us. Velma, check it out. Appreciate you being a part of it. Not only that, supporting our sponsors. Let's go over to Sam Garcia of Mortgage Daily, MortgageDaily.com. And Sam, a lot of news stories out there. I'm looking at your website right now, nicely designed, but I particularly, I love your news headlines, but I particularly love the data that you got. But let's get into it. What you got for us today? Well, you know, as Alice
1: mentioned, the Mortgage Bankers released its delinquency survey for the first quarter of this year, and on all types of loans, 30-day delinquency, including foreclosures, was down 23 basis points to 6.1%. It's a pretty good improvement, but an even bigger improvement, as I Alice mentioned was with the FHA loans. The non current rate on FHA loans was 10.06%. Sinking from 11.14 percent at the end of last year, and MBA's Marina Walsh, who I think you've had on the show, attributed the improvement to strengthening U.S. employment. That was really what you know it came down to. So always good to hear that loan performance is better because you know it means we could take more risks on some programs. So we'll see what that ends up doing. But Ellie May reported in its origin or its origination insight report that a refinance share fell to 35 percent in April from 37 percent in March. And of course, we've all been expecting the big downturn in refinances, though it hadn't happened as fast as we thought it would. And as refinance shares been falling, the amount of time it takes to process a loan has been declining. So we've seen improved turnaround. Though I think that we actually saw that the, the closing rate was a little bit not as good in this last time, but we'll uh, see where that goes too. Moving over to our mortgage market index, it jumped 26% last week. That's a pretty good sized jump. And the index is an indication of upcoming loan originations that we base on rate lock volume and open close. And even more impressive than the overall activity was jumbo business, which doubled on a week-over-week basis. Um, the bad news is that with Memorial Day happening next Monday, we can expect a significant downturn in new business because it's typical that new mortgage business slows ahead of a holiday and also during the week after the holiday because, of course, the holiday was there. Over at Jenny May, we got some operational data that indicates there were nearly $38 billion in Jenny May MBS issuances during April. And while that was pretty slow, you know, relative uh, to historical numbers recently, it was still better than March when securitizations were the lowest they'd been in a year. Jenny's book of business concluded last month at a record $1.8 trillion. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage confirmed to Mortgage Daily that it's going to discontinue the origination of renovation mortgage products. That includes FHA 203K loans, and they told us that the decision to end uh, the business was based on elevated risk for those products, origination and systems complexity, and also extensive processing that's involved. Over at Movement Mortgage, which I know you're familiar with, they yeah. had a ribbon ribbon-cutting ceremony for their new space in Norfolk, Virginia. In attendance was the city's mayor and also Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe. The new space will accommodate 750 people, and it's going to Movement's going to move some people in the town at another. Over there, but they're also going to hire another 200 people for that location over the next three years. So we got some growth planned over there. And of course, you know, as I've mentioned and other people have said, in general, we can expect lesser employment in the industry this year because of the slowing originations. So it's always interesting to see such a successful company still, you know, pushing uh, ahead and yep. moving and growing forward. and. Yep. You know, while this is all this is happening, so movement. uh, You know, we reported separately. uh, They reported as part of the Mortgage Daily Origination Survey that that they closed 2.5 billion dollars in loans during the first quarter, and their total staffing is nearly at 4,200 people. One other uh, interesting story was that a former senior loan officer at Chase has pled guilty to mortgage fraud and I saw acu- that.
0: That was really interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, and know, uh, yeah, was- he's ac- he's accused of causing more than $33 million in losses for his employer and he faces more than <laughs> 5 years in pr- or up to 5 years in prison. And, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know if you know, but you know, when we were really just in our infancy at Mortgage Daily back around 2002. We really got a boost from mortgage fraud because nobody was really covering it. It wasn't an issue. Everything's going great. Real estate's selling. So we kind of picked up on that and started covering that news and I mean, even uh, Business Week magazine covered us just because they found it so interesting that mortgage fraud even happened at that point. So it's been a big part of what we've covered. And it's just amazing how radically it's dropped, you know, when you compare it now to, you know, the the pre-crisis loans that were, you know, went into foreclosure after the crisis. And so, you know, just so many systems in place have changed the way things happen. There's so much that's caught ahead of time. And just the level of fraud is just way, way down. You know, let's see what happens when there 's another frenzy and business is good, but at this point you know lenders have really made some good improvements using the systems and the compliance and all the tools and technology that have come about since the crisis to really keep a, a lid on mortgage fraud and activity
0: so that's uh, interesting that's, that was a significant headline I noticed this morning on your website and going, "Whoa I th- I, I just what people don 't think of i mean first of all there 's flat out fraud, and then there 's just yeah, you know, what were you thinking kind of things going on but that one was flat out that was just you, you that know what quiet. i've had that
1: same exact thought i mean you think like okay you're going you're doing these these crimes and you really don't think you're going to get caught i mean you're smart enough to originate and close all these loans and i really just my impression is that these people are out and they're spending money and they're on vacation and they just life is good at the moment and just ignore what might happen but they get caught ultimately so a lot of people went to jail a lot of time spent you know and 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 court with these people and just a lot of activity that that caught these people that uh, it happened. And and also, I think there was also probably a little bit of a gray area, because before the crisis, you had a lot of wholesalers pushing brokers to come up with loans on limited income documentation, and, you know, it's, it's such a fine line between you know, doing a legitimate limit, limited income or limited documentation loan and committing mortgage fraud, you know, so it's interesting to see how that came out. But uh, anyway, those are some of the biggest headlines we had over the last week, uh, and of course there was more, but it's kind of slow today. I'll tell you, man, there's not a lot of news. I think people ahead of Memorial Day are out. I think pushing everyone's off, getting whatever. ready
0: for the Memorial Day. Yeah, getting ready to, to gear up for some good barbecue as we do here in Texas. But Sam, yeah, you exactly. do have a great website, and I encourage people to check it out. It is one of those websites loaded with good news stories, but also the data is really just outstanding in there. So the, the reports and the statistics you have are something that everyone should be aware of. Not only that, you got a list of every convention, I think, on the planet there related to the mortgage industry. So great resource all the way around. So anyway, appreciate you, Sam. And it's time now to head up for ArchMI. we got Shawnee Hauntedale here to talk about what they do and how they lead. And so I love this one phrase, lead with us. So So let's go over to Shawnee Honidale.
4: Thanks, David. It's spring home buying season and lenders are competing for business. With RGMI RateStar, you can dominate your market and claim the lion's share of business. How? RateStar allows you to assess individual loan risk more precisely. If you're hunting for more profitable business, RateStar helps you capture and close more of those loans. With RateStar, your leader of the pack. Partner with Archimai and lead with us. Love it. Lead with them.
0: Great group to partner with. Yeah, we've got Andy Shell, the Profit Doctor. He's back in the house. Good friend, and always honored when he could get a chance to get on here and share some of his pearls of wisdom with us. What you got?
5: Well, doing doing great. You know that last that last segment ended with "Leader of the Pack," and you know Les should use that song "Leader of the Pack" in one of his yes. segments. A song.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, that was one of my favorites. But of course, it dates us a little bit, Andy, because it was from <laughs> way back when. <laughs>
5: I know, I know. When you're in your 60s and you must be older than 30. So I yeah. webinars real <laughs> quick, webinars. Yeah. We finished the accounting stuff, so that went really, really well. Lots of good attendance and lots of good feedback. Everybody said it was great. And then also we've got servicing conferences coming up in July. So if you're interested in learning about servicing, wow. subservicing, how all that fits together, the functions of servicing, how servicing works. The big new thing is servicing quality control, because a lot of people aren't doing that right. So we're covering right. all of that in July. So that's coming up. Couple of good. couple of quick thoughts I have here today. And one is you know good things sometimes have unintended consequences, like eating a eating a gallon of chocolate ice cream <laughs> you'll either get sick or get fat and so you know there's sometimes the good or comes from the bad you gotta, <laughs> or both so you gotta measure you gotta measure at impacts so you always have to consider the impact of the good thing relative to consequence and so what what I'm talking about here is it's may the twenty second we're in our typical cyclical cycle of loan production, apps are climbing, Mm -hmm. we've got a lot of new lock registration happening, several clients are showing substantial increases in lock volume, so that's awesome because we're going to get more volume, which means we're going to have more profit, and it's going to be great, Well, but let's think about the process just a little bit. Every time we close a loan, we use our cash a little bit. Some of our cash goes into every single loan. So in our warehouse of closed loans, our loan held for sale, we have cash invested. It's not a lot, but it's enough that when your volume increases, it can make a difference. So we just need the investors to purchase the loans. But what happens when our volume goes up? Probably everybody else's volume goes up because we've got this cyclicality of mortgage finance because people like to buy homes in the summertime. They move, kids are out of school, that's how that works. So if investors are buying more loans because everybody's selling more loans, that the, then the investor's ability to purchase loans slows down. So if you've got more volume, which means you've got more money tied up in your loan held for sale, you've got your cash invested, and the investors are slow to purchase, and you have to get the investor to purchase it to convert your investment into cash again. So what happens if you've got a payroll cycle coming up and the investor purchase pace is slower? So payroll doesn't wait for the investors to purchase. You've got to figure this out. So, that time of year, we've got to get our Excel spreadsheets out, and we've got to have our cash flow forecast, 60-day rolling cash flow forecast by week. Every week, add in the new volumes, look at the loans that are available for purchase, figure out purchase timing estimates so you can look forward. It's a guess, but, but you're going to be closer by doing some analysis, and you would be just winging it. And the other thing I want to add, yep. if you're running your P&L on a gap basis, and you look at the P&L, it's going to be wrong when you try to look for the money because the new accounting rules means that you count you count revenue when you lock the loan, but you count expenses when you close the loan, but you don't actually get the cash until you sell the loan. So how nuts is that? <laughs> so, yeah, so don't yeah. – so, so don't if, if you've got the interest rate lock commitment mark-to-market in your P&L, then ignore it. Take it out. Get another version of your P&L because it is not a reflection of your cash. It's going to be months until your mark-to-market cash shows up in your bank account, and you can't run payroll on mark-to-market. So that time <laughs> of year, I'm, I'm telling everybody yep. now, it's that time of year. Get ready for this. It happens every year, and we always get to July and wonder, oh, my word, what happened to my cash? So plan it now. Adjust your rates as needed. So there you go, Dave.
0: That's so good. And there's nobody better to help sort through, where's my money? Why don't I have more money in the bank? I'm, I'm making all this money. Where is it? How many times do we get that call? And uh, the guy, the, my famous call is the guy that called and said, someone's stealing my money. And I go, no, no, they're not stealing their money. We got into it, looked at it, and uh, it was just all tied up in timing. That's what you work on. You do a great job. So you want some help figuring out the timing of your cash, where it's at, what's going on, get the Profit Doctor in there. That's why he's called the Profit Doctor. He helps you with your cash flow and everything that just ails your management of money. He does an awesome job of it. So Profit Doctor, also known as Andy Shell, can get a hold of him at Andy at MBS-Team, Andy, good to have you back, man. Missed you.
5: Thanks, Dave. Great to be here.
0: One of the things Andy and I also talk about a lot, Alice talks about KPIs, key performance indicators. Motivity Solutions is a great partner with us in our consulting businesses as well as on the radio program. So let's jump out to John Maynell and uh, catch the KPI of the week to see what we've got out there for us now. So, John?
6: Hello. Thanks very much, David. Always good to be here. And this week's key performance indicator is application to funded cycle time. Uh, Since the arrival of TRID, cycle time measurements have obviously come to the forefront, everything from looking at the entire application to funded cycle uh, down to sub-cycles, or cycle time between milestones. Everyone wants to compress cycle time, and the beauty of this type of strategic KPI is that it can be tied to operational KPIs that track the tasks or processes within the cycle that contribute to how long or short that cycle is. So, operational KPIs can be thought of as the cause, and strategic KPIs are the effect. Uh, And balancing and monitoring these key measurements really can drive performance, and this demonstrates, again, that what gets measured gets results. And with that, David, I will turn it back to you. Thanks very much again.
0: That's a famous phrase that I just love. What gets measured gets results. Love that phrase. Anyway, folks, we are excited to have some friends of mine with us: Sarah, Russell, and Earl. I mean, who uh, I met, and how it was is that we got—I got both of us. All, all of us got telemarketed by this company selling this software that helps consultants. So a whole bunch of people showed up, and it's kind of like an e-learning system, Alice. But its, it's I mean it's—it's. It's, different enough where I go, okay, I'll have to go potentially. offered some free wine and, you know, I'll show up. I, any good mortgage maker, you show up for some free wine and a little food there, you listen to what's going on, and, and I mean, within – Short time into the presentation, I knew this is not going to work for me, but I was so intrigued with the people in the room because while I'm aware of a number of consultants in a number of areas, I had not come in contact with people that shared a shared vision with me like Earl and Sarah do. And it has to do with area culture, corporate culture, and how to create healthy cultures, how to create sustainable cultures. So these two, Matt, and I, I looked at the guy hosting us. And I said, I'm really sorry, but your product doesn't work for me. But these people in the room, I want to meet and get to know, and that's how we started our relationship. We've gotten together numerous times. We're launching another podcast. That's right. We're going to launch another podcast together, talking about this stuff. It's really a fun thing we're doing, but I wanted to get them on because I'm listening to this, and the more I am aware, Sam talked about this in his segment, is the importance of culture and what a difference it can make inside of a company. And the big companies figured it out, Sarah and Earl are consulting to some of the top fortune 200 companies and so if they're willing to invest the money You can, and you may say, well, yeah, I can't afford it. You can't afford not to, folks. So you're going to want to sit up, pay attention to what we're about ready to talk to. So we have with us Earl and Sarah. Sarah is a business learning consultant, a facilitator extraordinaire, and I mean that. She has an extensive amount of clientele experience, has worked with Fortune 200 companies. She's joining us as the COO of Beyond 10. Love that name. In other words, everyone wants to be a 10. Well, they're helping companies go beyond 10. They bring a remarkable (laughs) talent of connecting, learning from the classroom, to the real world applications and saying it's a waste of time and money is it, it that's just not going to work. Now, Earl, I tell you, Sarah, you just want to get around her and you want to give her a big hug. Now, we get around Earl, he's about, I don't know, how tall How tall all are you, Earl? Gosh, you're tall. Six something. Six, big, six big two. guy. 6'2". Well, you, you your voice makes him sound, you sound, add two more inches, three more inches just with your voice. But he's a seasoned global business strategist targeting transition transaction management. And then he's also helped businesses in over 26 countries for the last 35 years. He's an accomplished musician. He is a, got an operatic voice. He's performed with some of the biggest names on some of the biggest stages in the world. So multi-talented. He is the founder and CEO of Beyond 10, which, again, is a learning development company that helps companies in many strategic areas, and I'm honored and blessed to have both of you here
7: finally on this podcast. Thank you, guys. Thank you, David. That was such a warm, warm welcome. You're awesome. We're going to tell you later. (laughs) Oh, yeah. it's just well, if you, you,
0: you two are just uh, something special. I was drawn to you from the moment we sat down in that room because of your passion and your care for people in companies. You know, companies are nothing more than uh, just people. You look at it, and we look at what drives and makes companies successful, why people don't invest, but is just amazing. So we're going to be talking a wow. lot about employment. Employment in employee Engagement, and I want to dive into this topic. So if you guys could start off by just giving us uh, an explanation of letting us hear what the term employee engagement is and what does it mean and what are you talking about when you talk about employee engagement? So, not, and not all at once, please.
7: Yeah, I know. No, we're
4: trying to make sure that we're being polite. <laughs> all right, Come
7: here on. we go. So. Employee engagement, here's the thing about employee engagement. People get this completely confused all the time. They think employee engagement means I've got to make everybody happy. But we all know that's not possible. If you know When you get into the heart of it, if you peel the layers behind what it really means in a business perspective is that it's the inclination for those employees to expend discretionary effort when it comes to the corporate goals. So every company really should want employees to be highly engaged because it's beneficial for everybody. So that's my, you know, my 10-second description of what employee engagement is. Earl, do you want to add to that?
3: Yeah, yeah and I, I would agree with everything that Sarah just said. I would add to that, just from a slightly different perspective that isn't purely business, that employee engagement is about the person in the position and not just the Mm. position. So it's really about looking dynamically and actionably at the person doing the job. And, and we've developed some ways in which in doing so, you get to measure change, which is something that doesn't often provide an opportunity uh, to, to do effectively, but you can measure change with that particular employee as you're engaging them, or at least know, when to engage them.
0: So it sounds like we're starting to open up a really big topic. So now, why do you think it's become a buzzword these days, employee engagement? I, I think a lot of people are talking about it, but I'm not sure that a lot of people really understand it.
3: Well, you know, uh, we track the, the polls, you know, and in Gallup into of 2016 beginning of 2017 said that among the number one things that corporations in America are going to be addressing is employee engagement. And it says that up to 88 percent of corporations are going to be are going to make this their priority employee engagement but that's without necessarily having a common understanding a common tongue if you will around what employee engagement actually is so that it can be addressed pursued effectively so we perceive it in a way in which we've just described, but that it's about, and we boil it down to, it's about the person in the position. So, And, and many times this takes us over into the millennials discussion, which we mm-hmm. can address later, yeah. um, because that's where it really applies. Most millenn- millennials are, are the next up-and-coming uh, workforce, and, and engagement with them is different than engagement yeah. with baby boomers. Because we're yeah. driven by two different models. Baby boomers were driven by the honor of work. I've got a job, I can survive. Yeah. Uh, millennials are not necessarily driven by that they're driven by how they feel in the job and so yeah, the experience can, that they're having yeah the experience yeah.
7: That I think that yeah I was going to say to, ahead, to add on to what Earl saying, I think the reason it's becoming so popular and becoming a buzzword is because the millennial workforce we while we've been looking and we knew they were going to come up and they were going to take over the majority they're here it's happened they're now the majority of the workforce and so what's important <laughs> to them as Earl just said was they they want to they want to feel good and I don't mean I got to tell you, I think millennials get a bad rap because they're asking for things that a lot of us have been wanting, but they're really driven by purpose. And so I think some companies feel like, well, you know, I have to make them happy and I have to have the foosball table and that, you know, and and so on and so forth. And while that's nice (laughs) and shiny and, you know, hey, we'd all like a little bit of fun, (laughs) it's the purpose uh, that they're wanting. So I I almost think, and I I don't know, I've never really thought of it this way, I wonder if it's, the millennials that have kind of forced this to become a buzzword now.
0: Well, you know, you wonder why that is. Now, I'm, The reason I was chuckling about the millennials are now entering the workforce, that, that may be true across the world, but the mortgage industry is one old stag in a bunch of old fogies <laughs> in the same. We've got to get, we've got to get millennials, but I had the breakfast. Now you guys don't know this gentleman, but Bill Cosgrove is a union home mortgage president, CEO, uh, owner of that company, past president of the NBA, very good friend. And I had breakfast with him yesterday. Excuse me last Tuesday morning up in Columbus just before I spoke, and he had spoken the day before, and he was flying out. He stuck around to have breakfast. I was real honored. But he is doing a tremendous job of recruiting and bringing millennials in, and he says it's different. I mean, you've got to speak to them differently, and the key word he used there is there's a sense of purpose. They want to know what your purpose is. They want it to relate to what their purpose is. So I think as the mortgage industry listened to just this first part of this interview, I think that is a key, key component that we need to jump in. Andy, Allison, Joe, if you guys want to jump in with some questions at that point as we start looking at that, I mean, you're welcome to jump in any time here with some questions. Anything you guys want to jump in with at this point?
5: Well, Dave, can I jump in real quick, too? And guys, for being on the show, Sarah and Earl, it's such a pleasure to, to hear your wisdom and insight. So here's, you know, Dave and I are approximately the same age. You've met Dave, so that means... I'm old, too. So um, <laughs>
0: here's the deal. But, Dave, we're oh, so good-looking, aren't we, Andy? Aren't we? I know, we are. I know.
5: <laughs> I know. Alice just rolls
0: her eyes when we talk like that. <laughs> well,
5: well, you know, Casey Crawford calls Dave the Silver Fox. That's his nickname. So anyway, let me jump into this. So. So you know, uh, I was you know when my kids were growing up. Well, when Dave and I grew up, it was either one of you lost at sporting events. Then my kids start growing up, and all of a sudden, there's no win or lose. It's everybody gets a participation certificate because we care about their fragile egos, and those people are now in the workforce. So. I just I'm really I really struggle with people who don't have a reality on there really is winners and losers. Effort really drives consequence. You have to have performance or you fail and if you fail you don't eat. So how do you take the reality of life if you don't work you don't eat compared with we care about the you're so bean sprouts and tofu and fuzziness and make all that fit together. Is that a question?
3: Yeah, sure. There's a question in there. <laughs> sure, <laughs> Yeah. Pick yeah. 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 one. <laughs> there's a question in it. Yes, indeed. And I, I love your point. You know, we the the difference in the workforce as it was and the, and the workforce as it has become can be sourced down to those fundamental sociological changes, educational and ideological changes in in how we perceive winning and losing, how we pursue winning and losing. Back in the day. You know back when you guys were you know younger different, there was a different type of winning and losing and it was really just that you survived based upon win and losing so you had that in your fundamental understanding and it drove your behavior your choices your actions and was measurable in, in its results Nowadays, and this is where we, where we came to understand that it's, the difference is not the, not the position, but the person in the position, because it allows for taking into all this the landscape of a change in how we define and how we respond and how we live and educate around winning and losing. Because now it's that I'm always a winner. I'm, I'm a winner because I'm here. I showed up. That means I'm a winner, and you have to sh- you have to treat me as if I'm a winner. Now, those are some of the downsides of, of this emerging culture. However, the upside is is that still, despite all of that, millennials have a sense of purpose. They're not stupid. And if you you make a mistake, if you think that they're a lesser intelligence, they are in, in some cases of higher level of awareness uh, oh, rather than intelligence. That's now, great. That I, sounds, I would, that like... yes, and so that's what we're saying address the person because you have a person in Millennials where their level of awareness self-awareness in awareness of their environment awareness of how they fit in according to their purpose whether or not your purpose aligns with with my purpose these are the factors this is what alters the language that you as you engage with with Millennials is understanding alignment of intent and alignment
6: to purpose
0: Wow that is so good Alignment of
5: ten,
3: oh, alignment of
0: Bur- Now, Alice, Alice, you're in e-learning. You've done so much learning. I'd love to get your comments on this at this point. I mean, you you stood up there and taught a lot of these people of all ages within our industry. Jump in here.
4: Yeah, thank you. So in all of this, right, I, and I love what you said because I'm a, I am love millennials, and very often there are a lot of stereotypes that go with any group of, of, of age people, Bracket, and I love the idea of you know every single every person's still going to be unique and still may have been some different uh, backgrounds that they uh, define all this very differently and don't fit a stereotype just because of their age. So with all that variety, then what are you seeing? How how we actually go about uh, defining that? If it's not putting a foosball table in the you know in the break room or making sure we have group lunches mm. all the time, you know what are the things that you see lenders are actually do our companies, I should say, are actually doing to help drive this and meet that. Yeah, that's
7: a great question. The fantastic Indeed. question. And I would say that they're still figuring it out, but where we see success is when they create conversations, when there is a connective point so that they do feel as though they are being treated as a person and not just in the position. The number one driving force, for a millennial and many others, right? Let's broaden the scope a little bit, is not money. And it's not always purpose either. It's relationship. They leave. The number one reason that uh, the workforce in general leaves is because of a poor relationship with their manager. And their number two so you might be thinking, okay, well, then money second or, you know, the foosball table is second. <laughs> Where's my foosball? The number two reason they're leaving is a poor relationship with those peers. So it's all about relationships. So if you take that and just, you know, flip it on the inverse, the easiest way to create a culture that will support the millennials in particular, but again, everyone, because we're all human beings, is to create a culture where relationships are fostered and respected. And, of course, you can't have good relationship if you don't have good communication, which is kind of a big stake in the ground that everyone thinks we communicate well because we can speak words, me make sentence, me communicate with you. Well, that's a bunch of hoo-ha, <laughs> right? <I> mean, <laughs> that's so funny. It's how you communicate and bringing back what Earl said. it's it's the intention. are you are you clearly articulating what you intend? do they do they receive what you intend? So that's where we're seeing a lot of, I guess, success with, with millennials. And again, I think it applies to everyone. But when you can bring that conversation and, and, and create those connections, that's that's some good stuff. Sounds yeah.
4: like a whole different level of how to train, right? You're not going to be able to sit mm-hmm. in an e-learning and kind of click next and read and, and walk out at the other end of an hour and a half session to, of yeah. to it's an right. communication, yep. but not actually to your point about clearly communicating your intent. It sounds like an awful lot of specific case study work in
3: that particular business is. Well, some interest uh, for us when you said it's not about the the standard training. So, yes, for instance, we specifically state to our clients that we don't train for the sake of training. That's the general approach. You come in, you do a one, two-day training, and then you're out. Well, uh, there's a statistic floating around out there that says that, you know, if within 30 days that what you're trained upon isn't put into effective use, then within that 30-day period, up to 87% of, of that information is lost. Now, you transform that or transfer that into dollar value and look at every dollar that you put into training, if it's not effectively put into use within a 30-day period, then up to $0.87 on a dollar is lost. It forces you to take a different approach to training, not just for the sake of ticking the box. And so we oftentimes will tell our clients that we're coming in to train, but we're coming in to train as an initiator to ongoing relationship followed by this followed by this, followed by this.
0: That's really good yeah. Joe, we've kinda of gone around the horn, so let you jump in here.
2: Yeah, and we kinda of got on to what I was gonna get into Sarah got onto a little bit about retention. And yes. if you if you have a group that is is prone to move around a lot and to to mm-hmm. take those scenarios that Sarah talked about, how do you justify or how do you number one, does in fulfillment keep them from moving around? And two, do you have a little different training justification to go through if there's a high turnover rate?
7: Yeah, retention's a big thing. I mean, that obviously hits the bottom line. It can cost upwards of 150% of someone's salary just to, you know, replace them. I I would say, Joe, that from our perspective, when when we have these conversations with companies and, and they're concerned about Retention, or you know, sometimes a leading indicator is absenteeism, right? Um, so they can be looking at that and can have that concern. Well, well, what do we do to get ahead of it? And we believe it's it's around kind of like micro behavioral adjustments, if you will. It's finding a way to touch these folks on a regular basis. Of course, you can't do that in a training class constantly. That'd be ridiculous. So it's really arming the, the managers, the supervisors, the leaders, in my mind, with understanding how to move the needle and keep this relationship open, but not, not let it become a burden either. And what we're seeing is, while well, Consistently, we're seeing on average 41% lower absenteeism. We haven't yet gotten the, the, the firm stat on retention, but I've got to believe, you know, in conversations, what we're hearing is retention is improving, um, but I don't feel like we have enough data yet to really put a stake in the ground there. But, yeah, it's, it's the constancy that – I mean, that came up when, you know, you'd go to training maybe once a year and pat yourself on the back, and that was, you know – look, we invested in you. But that's not what folk feel is an investment in them. An investment in them is pay attention to my ideas. Let's have a conversation. How can we as a group collectively take a brilliant idea over here and apply it into, into our little team, if you will? Um, so that's what we're seeing. And, and it's kind of in a way what I think Earl and I and, and Beyond 10 is promoting is a way of breaking down what is kind of like tribalism, right? In a, in a company culture, there's so many departments and they're all going their own different ways. But if we can take that idea that was mentioned earlier of, uh, you know, the winning versus losing kind of philosophy, and everybody's a winner. Well, take everybody's a winner and apply that into the company culture now and say let's all have conversation. Let's all dig in into our respective teams on how we can do this. And it satisfies not only the individual who wants to feel invested in so that they'll stick around longer. It not only benefits that team because now we're, we're collaborating and creating more brilliance, you know, more heads are better than one, but it's ultimately impacting the company because of the, the reduced cost when it comes to retention and everything else. So I, I wish we had more time but I know we're we're counting the clock, David. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the clock and go, No, this is the this is what happens every
0: time we start a conversation. Uh Andy has another question he wants to go to come to you. I think Andy, am I correct?
5: yes I do, I do yes, please, thanks Dave, so real quick, guys, um, bringing this back to mortgage lending, where mortgage banking is a, is an environment that's often sales driven uh oftentimes the uh, the salesperson may be the president or a significant driver in the organization and and they they're often very expressive and demanding. So when we start talking about communicating expectations as a very, very important element of working with millennials, I, it, it crossed my mind to talk about how you communicate expectations because Dave, Alice, and Joe and I can all tell you stories of salespeople walking through the office literally yelling at the top of their lungs at the clothing Ooh. department at the the department at the underwriting department about get this done now i can't believe you asked me that question you're such an idiot i'm going to fire you today i mean it is a, it can be and in some places is a highly abusive environment that's how that operates so when you mix that with a millennial workforce where are the conflicts that are going to surface <laughs> <laughs> so
3: you're <question, laughs> is conflict going to surface <laughs> well yeah what, what do we do about that i mean Pick any yeah, of the, the, yeah the, that's a great right. Yeah, it sounds like the conflicts are already embedded. And so you, you're talking about uh, in the mortgage industry as a culture. And a culture is an assembly of beliefs and behaviors, characteristics, characteristic of a of a particular society, or in this case, a particular business uh, arena. And I've had some experience in that in that arena specifically. So what hasn't occurred as yet is one an understanding of the fundamentals of, of physics that for every action is an equal and opposite reaction. So if you come into a, an environment with that level of, of behavior, that level of abuse then there is a reaction to it but there hasn't been a reaction to it sufficient to cause change so mm-hmm. what do we do about it we would come in with uh, with a conversation that first identifies what the culture is why the culture is why the beliefs why the, why why the behaviors and then present what can happen on the other side of that and how that affects the very reason that most people go into mortgage business is because of money, that this behavior this current behavior affects your ROI. So if you think that you're doing good at this point and you're making millions of dollars as, as this business with this level of culture, if you shift this this behavior, say, to this degree, you can now multiply that. Is that a, a worthwhile catalyst? Or creating behavioral change or cultural change uh, sufficient to produce that, that, that outcome. That's, oh, that's one way to approach it as a macro. Then there are internal more micro effects as well.
0: Perfect. Thanks, Earl. Yeah, Thank if you. I look at it, the time, we're, we are at question number three, and we're out of time out of 18, <laughs> nearly 20 questions. I cannot believe this. We've opened this up, so obviously we're going to have you back because it's a big passion for me. To really focus on this, I like what Marcus Lomonas says, it's people, product, and process. And those are the three things that I can focus on, others in this call focus on. But I'm, I'm really zeroing in on people because we can have the best processes in the world. But it's the people that drive them. If you have a screwed-up culture, folks, you've got problems. So as we exit, I want our audience to know who each of you are. Start with Sarah, and then we're going to go to Earl and kind of talk a little bit about what you guys do. And then contact information so people that are interested in following up with you can get a hold of you. So being the gentleman that we are, Sarah. Sarah. You're an instructional designer. Talk a little
7: bit about your background and how people can get a hold of you. Sure. So, an instructional designer is kind of a nebulous term, but what it essentially means is that I. Yeah, I was going to ask you, would you technology. break that down for us, please? Sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Understood. Science of human behavior is at the core of instructional design because to understand how humans behave translates into how adults learn, translates into how to deliver the information in a way that lets every single learner, which is unique, uh, to walk away with their highest ability to to act on it, right? So instructional design takes all that into consideration and then writes the class and then get up and deliver it and make magic happen. So that's what I do.
0: You do make magic happen. I've, I've listened to you speak, and I just, my mouth just hangs open. I go, keep talking, keep talking. We run out of time, so <laughs> I wish we could do it, so which means we've got to bring you back. So, But we got to bring back Earl, too. So, Earl, tell our audience a little bit about specifically your 35 years, and then how can people get in touch with you and both of you? What do you do for business? <laughs> yeah, i got to get that from sure. you, sir. Go ahead. Uh,
3: sure. Over the last 35 years, uh, my focus has been, you know, business development, but which, uh, transformed into a focus on transaction management so transaction management means i focus on the relationship between parties involved in a transaction not for the benefit of a single uh, party, but for the benefit of the transaction. So we'll now translate that over into learning and development. We focus on the relationships between the the participants in a business uh, environment. So you have C level men- management and then your workers focus on those transactions there. And uh, so we are gobeyond dot com. That's G O B E Y O N D T E N dot com. And we can be reached at hello at gobeyond10.com or called by phone at 512-900-5883. That's for both Sarah and I.
0: Well, I appreciate so much you two taking time coming in here. I'm looking at all the questions. I'm feeling like we cheated our audience by just getting not being able to have more time. But we'll have you back to continue the discussion so excellent! Thank you both for taking time out of your busy day to be here with us. Really do appreciate it. And folks, give that phone number for people to get a, how they can reach you again. What's that number again?
3: That's five one two nine zero zero five eight eight three. Very
0: Thank good. You for well, me oh, it's an honor to have both of you here. So much appreciated. Folks, again, encourage you to look at your corporate culture, get some experts in there to help you with it. I can't think of two people that you'd enjoy more having in to work with your corporate culture than Earl and Sarah. Great people. Every time we get together it just seems like we cracked the lid on a, a conversation and it's like we gotta go how could this how does two hours go much less 20 minutes so we'll have them back look forward to having you back next week next week is a Memorial Day weekend we've got Jeff Sellers I know I told you all he's going to be on this week but we fit Earl and Sarian because of the timeliness of some things going on with some clients we have about this topic and so Jeff kindly moved out to next week Jeff Sellers will be talking about emergency management solutions here's the question for you do you have an EOP, an emergency operating plan, you should. You go like, well, what do I do? We don't have any workplace violence. (laughs) It's a miracle that we don't consider the stress that we go through in our industry. And as the world gets more just tighter and tighter around, I think it's important that you understand this. I encourage you to listen to next week's program. I've already recorded the interview with Jeff. I know what's in it It's something that I encourage everybody to listen to. It's important. Jeff's a very colorful guy, great guy, and a good friend, another one of my friends I get to have on the podcast talking about this. So come back next week and learn about the emergency operational plan. It's not just workplace violence. It's a lot of things, a lot of things. And I can tell you some stories. One time we had a company where the building caught a fire. There was an escrow company above our file servers. The fire burned through the floor. The fireproof cabinets came through and crashed down on top of all our servers. What was our plan? We didn't have one. So anyone, it sounds like data recovery. It's a whole lot of things way, way beyond just you know workplace violence, although that is a part of it. So tune in next week. You'll enjoy it. It's good to have you with us, everybody. Tell others about it. We're honored to have you be a part of this program and sharing it with others. Have a great week and a happy Memorial Day to you.
1: You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin, of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.